You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Thank you so much for being here this morning and checking in online. Man, I, I love the fact that we have the ability to still meet as the church, even if it is online. So wherever you are, like Brandon said, sitting around um, your living room, maybe sitting around the breakfast table, maybe you're still in bed with your jammies on, that's okay. You're, we're gathered as a group, and we are scattered as the church, and uh, I'm so thankful that you're here checking us out online today. I'm going to say, man, this has been one of the most bizarre weeks that I can ever remember in my life. I'm sure many of you feel the same way. It's almost like it's been a scene out of a movie. Uh, if you would have told me Tuesday that I'd be delivering part two of this sermon series from my office with just a few people around here and we'd be uh, postponing church or, or suspending church services, I would have said you're crazy. And uh, for those of you who know me, uh, and this is a huge stretch for me, sitting in front of a camera and preaching. So this is kind of a new, uh, a new step for me. And man, this week has taught me a lot about being flexible and, and really learning how to step into things that I cannot control. You know, this week's been an opportunity for all of us, uh, all of us to see exactly where we're putting our faith, where we're putting our hope, and where we're putting our trust in. And I hope this morning that we spend some time, as we spend some time singing and worshiping together, um, and as we get into God's Word together, I hope that you will be encouraged. I hope that you'll continue to trust that uh, we have a God who loves us, and that we have a God who is in control of all things. Well, this morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to continue our Solas series, and this is part two of the five-part series. And last week, we learned that the word sola is, is the, word, the Latin word for alone or only. And each one of these five solas, or each one of these five phrases, means something alone. Last week, it was scripture alone this week it's grace alone uh, next week faith alone then jesus alone and then for god's glory alone and just as a reminder we built this frame around the series last week that these five solas are five foundational doctrines that were always in scripture but re-emerged about 500 years ago during the movement of the protestant reformation you see these five declarations were made by godly men and um, they they were they were deeply rooted convictions that they had about the essentials of Christianity. These men faithfully acted upon these convictions to help recover what the church had lost sight of. They were considered reformers in the church because they stood up to the church when it was undermining the gospel and what God's word said. You know, these solas are important for us as well today. Uh, they are the foundational truth that help return us to the center of our belief back to God and his word. You know, during times that we've lost our way, it, it recenters us. But they also can help provide answers to what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And I can't think of a more, uh, more timely series to recenter our lives around the basis of what we believe than during all that's going on in and around our world today. Last week, Brandon masterfully walked us through the first foundational truth, sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. You know, we learned that scripture alone is the, the foundation of, of which all these other solas hinge upon. 
You know, we saw that the Bible is the ultimate and final authority for our lives and for us as a church. It is inerrant, which means that is without error. It is inspired, meaning God breathed his word into people to pen that. We can trust God at his word. We should read it, we should know it, we should obey it, and we should submit ourselves to it. We're reminded not just to know what it says, but also to get into his word and uh, allow the spirit of God to, to transform us and to change us by his word. So this morning, our focus is going to be grace alone. And I would say that grace alone is the core message of the gospel. This morning, I hope we, we gain a deeper understanding of what grace alone truly means. Simply put, grace alone saves us and grace alone changes us. Grace alone saves us and grace alone changes us. And, and church, that is good news for all of us today. Because no matter where you are or what you've done, uh, we can experience that grace. And we all need that grace to save us and change us. I would say there's many in the world that believe, um, have a wrong view of, of sin or the gospel. There's a lot of people that think the, the main problem in the world is, is other people or things outside of themselves. And I think if you're honest with yourself deep down, I'm sure you've thought of, about that yourself as well too. That, man, I'm, I'm not really that bad. I'm, I'm a good person. You know, for many of you, uh, you may be living in that same misconception, like I said. It's, it's everybody else in the world that's the problem. You know, you've maybe said to yourself, I'm okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. You see, we're, we're a pretty selfish people and we're a pretty self-driven culture. We're very self-sufficient as a people. And we're emotionally and intellectually and physically independent. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as being able to handle anything that comes our way. And uh, we, man, we have this unlimited confidence in our own ability. We are self-made, we work hard, we try hard, we, uh, we, we try to better ourselves and better our family uh, to have success. And I think the irony here uh, is even with this virus epidemic going around, it's really testing our ability to be self-sufficient. So this morning, I want us to see our, our pursuit of self-sufficiency is offensive to the gospel. As long as we are self-sufficient as a people, we'll never, need, we'll never see our need for Jesus. And as long as we are self-sufficient, we will never fully understand God's grace for us. So here's where we're going this morning. We're going to get into Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. And we're going to impact three questions in this text. Who I was, what God did, and who God made me to be. So if you have your Bibles, um, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. This first section, I want to unpack who I was verses 1 through 3. I'll read and you can follow along. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, this first section gives us this really clear picture about the sinfulness of man. It starts out with some pretty uh, direct language. It says, you were dead. Just stop there and let that phrase sink in. You were dead. Not other people. You. You were dead. 
And being dead here is being unable to help yourself. It's being absolutely powerless. And it means that you were lifeless at the bottom of the ocean. You were unresponsive. And you weren't able to swim up to the surface for air. A lot of us don't like to believe that about ourselves. And we don't like to think that uh, grace you know, works that way. We like to think that grace had something to do with us. But here's what's interesting about this passage. It says, you are dead in your trespasses in which you once walked. So you're dead in, in a sense, but you're also walking in one sense. So you're very much alive. Verse 2 says, you're, you're following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in sons of disobedience. You see, before grace, we were going about our own way. We were following the evil patterns of this world, and we were following uh, our own path and heading down the path apart from God. Notice here what it says in verse 3. It says, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. That means everyone. What The point that Paul is trying to make here is that we all are physically alive, but spiritually dead by nature. And this is something we all must come to grips with. That everything we are has been corrupted by sin. Our mind, our will, our desires, and our affections have all been corrupted by this sin. And as if we didn't get the picture clear enough yet, Paul goes in a little bit deeper. At the end of verse 3, he says, And by your very nature. Now, if you circle things in your Bible, go ahead and circle that word nature. It says, By your nature you are children of wrath. It's who we are. We are children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, we're sinful people. And uh, we don't have to learn to be sinful. We don't have to teach our, our children how to be sinful. It is all within us. We are born into this world in sin. But it's possible that you already knew this. Because of this sin, we stand condemned before God because we are guilty of sin. And every one of us, what it says in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, because of that sin, we, we deserve wrath and judgment and eternal separation uh, from God. That, that is what we deserve. So we have a corrupted nature and we live in a corrupted world. And uh, it's probably easier to, to look at it this way. You know, we could, we could admit that we are bad people and we do bad. If it's easier to think of it that way. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says it like this. There is none righteous, no, not even one. There is no one understands. There is no one that seeks after God. There is no one that does good. No, not even one. You see, sin is, is not so much a behavior as it is a condition that I have. Sin is the sickness, and God's grace to us in Jesus is the cure or the remedy. Sin is the problem, and grace is the solution to the problem. You see, my sin and your sin have separated us from a holy God and has earned us, like I said, God's wrath and eternal separation because of what we have done. But God's word also goes on to say many other things about our sinful condition. Because of our sin, it says, God's word says we are blind. Uh, it says we are a slave to sin, that we are a lover of darkness, that we are sick, we are lost, we are aliens of this world, we are strangers of this world. We are foreigners, and, and we're under the power and the rule of darkness. But here's what's true. You can find your condition in one of two categories. One of two places, that's it. You are either in Christ, or you're not in Christ. 
And if you're in Christ, God's word says you've been redeemed and forgiven. And if you're not in Christ, which the Bible has really direct language about this, it says that you are condemned and God's wrath will be upon you. John 3.36 goes like this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not believe or obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see, a lot of times I think we try to jump to the good news of the gospel without dealing with the bad news of the gospel. You know, we like to get to the part of, you know, let's just start talking about Jesus and let's not talk about sin. And that's true about us as well, too. We, we like to get and talk about Jesus. We say it here a lot, make much of Jesus. But we don't like to look at our own sin. The reality is, if we don't really understand the problem, you'll never really embrace the solution. I've heard it said like this, until the gospel seems too good to be true, you haven't really understood it. And this is what makes grace alone so beautiful, because it's all about what God did. And that's the next thing I want us to see this morning from the text. First, we saw who I was. Next thing in verses 4 through 9, I want us to see what God did. Go ahead and follow along as I read this section as well. I want you to catch the shift here, what the Apostle Paul says, different from verses 1 through 3. He starts off in verse 4 with a, a very positive shift and probably one of the most encouraging shifts in all of Scripture. He says, but God. Let that sink in for a second. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It says, by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's encouraging this morning. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, those two words that start off this section, but God, are, are probably, like I said, the, the, the two greatest words in all of Scripture. We have a God who is rich in mercy because of the love that he has for us. Many of you guys know John 3.16 and if you don't, you've probably seen football players with the black eye makeup on that, that says John 3.16. And they usually wear that in hopes that it would guarantee a victory for their team. But John 3.16 is so much more than that. John 3.16 is at the heart of the gospel. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It goes on to say in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, God sent Jesus into the world to live a perfect, sinless life and to die the death that you and I deserve. And this is all a gift of God's grace. This is the gospel. And if you've been around the church for any length of time, you're familiar with this verse. You're familiar with these terms, grace and mercy. You've probably heard them a lot, but you might not know exactly what they mean. Grace and mercy go together. They're two sides of, of the same coin, if you want to look at it that way. But what do they mean? Grace is the unmerited or undeserved favor of God. That God loved us even when we didn't deserve it. Another way of looking at it is like this. Grace is getting something that you didn't deserve. 
And mercy is a little bit different. Mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. And in this case, what we learned about our condition is we deserve God's wrath and judgment and punishment. And instead, he gives us grace. This free gift of grace is what God gives us. So grace and mercy. We see in verses 5 and 6 what God did. He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. So Paul is getting that out there already. For by grace you've been saved. Seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what this means is he's brought us into fellowship with Jesus and he gave us a place at his table that God initiated this relationship with us and he's accepted us by his grace through Jesus. And again, in, the, in this passage, we see this contrast of being dead in our sins and Jesus making us alive together uh, with God. And um, salvation is like this. We're not, we're not saved merely to go to heaven when we die. You know, being, being saved is, is more than that. It's, it's about being brought to life. It's about God in his love reaching down and rescuing us from our condition to transform us from who we were to who God wants us to be. Like I said, you were lifeless at the bottom of the ocean. You were unresponsive and unable to swim up to the surface. In that, Jesus didn't throw us a life preserver or a life raft and say, go swim to it. You know, he dove down to the bottom of the ocean and rescued us and saved us by his grace. This is just a glimpse of what God did for us. The, the whole rest of the Bible is, it is saturated with what God did for us. It's his love story to us, his grace as a gift to us. God's word says we've been redeemed. We've been set free, right? Romans 5 talks about that we've been justified uh, by his grace. Romans 3.24, we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about that we've been reconciled back to God, that we've been set right. Our relationship was severed or broken, but now we've been set right uh, with our relationship back to God. We've been forgiven, we've been rescued, we've been delivered, and we've been bought back, and we've been purchased by Jesus' blood on the cross. But why did he do that? Verse 7, I think, gives us this picture. So that, I want you to catch that word there. When Paul says, so that, that is a, a statement uh, of him explaining the why. So he goes on to, to start the foundation of, of grace alone. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, the why is the purpose of Jesus' mission, the purpose of his grace. The only reason that you and I were saved is so that God would show off how rich his grace is, and to prove that it's for his glory and, for not our, and, and not for our own, so that no one could boast. I love what it says in the next part in verses 8 and 9. And uh, if you don't have Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 memorized, man, let me challenge you to, to memorize these. This is a very foundational gospel passage, that, and it's pretty easy to, to memorize as well, too. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Notice three words in that verse. Um, grace, saved, and faith. Notice those, maybe underline them or circle them. Grace, saved, faith. But I also want you to notice the word it. In this, in, in this passage here, it is an identifier of the gift. So what is the gift? Is it grace? Is it salvation 
or is it faith? The answer to that question is yes, it's all three. It is the, the gift of God. It is not of your own doing so that no one would boast. The grace is not of yourself. Salvation is not of yourself. And even the faith to believe is not of yourself. You see, it is nothing that you or I did. It is 100% a gift from God so that no one can get prideful or take the glory for it. You know, if we think that we did something to earn it, uh, we will take ourselves into the picture and, 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 and receive glory for ourselves for it. It was God who opened our eyes to respond to him in faith. Just think, if we could do enough good in our lives to earn salvation, then we would not have a need for grace at all. Here's the truth. There are so many people that are trying to spend their lives being good enough to be able to go to heaven when they die. And, and there's many people that say, you know, as long as the good in my life outweighs the bad, then I'll be okay. So many of this world have a mixed up or a distorted or a deceived view, uh, and they think that if I, if I can just clean up the way that I act, then God will save me then. You know, that's not how salvation works. God says, while you are dirty and while you're a sinner, I'll extend my love and grace and I'll give you the righteousness of Jesus. I love how the Apostle Paul says it in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. You see, the same grace that saves us is the same grace that we need to change and transform us. So in summary of verses 8 and 9, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And it doesn't get any simpler than that. You know, this passage right here alone, by itself, could teach all of the rest of the solas if we wanted it to. But how do grace and faith work together without it being something that I contribute to or, or being something that I provide a work for? Well, I've heard it said like this, and it's not a seamless analogy, uh, but it's a pretty good one. So if you're sick and you go to the doctor, you're prescribed medication, and you're healed by that medication through taking or ingesting that medication, right? Does that make sense? So if you get the prescription filled, and if you're like me, you'll leave it on the counter and you don't do anything with it, right? Guess what? It has no value to you. However, if you take the medication, it's not your ability to take the medication that heals you itself. It's the power of the medication that has the ability to heal you. Taking the medicine is an act of faith. Uh, it's you trusting in the power of the medicine to do the work that it's supposed to do. And similarly, you're saved by grace through faith. And I'm not going to steal the thunder for next week's message on faith alone, but I do want us to remember that grace is the remedy and sin is the problem. The last thing I want us to see this morning, we, we unpacked who I was, what God did, and lastly in verse 10, I want us to see who he created me. Verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that word workmanship because that actually means that we are his masterpiece or we are a beautiful work of art. You know, God doesn't just save us from our sin. He saves us to transform us and to make us new and to make us his masterpiece. But we often fail to believe this because there, there's a lot of times we, we live and go about our day and we look at our circumstance and we fail to believe that our true identity 
is in Jesus. We forget that we've been made alive. We forget that we've been seated with Christ and that now we have a new identity in Jesus. This, work, this verse says that we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works, which that means good works is always, um, good works always follows salvation. The good things that I do don't make me a Christian, but it proves that I am a Christian. You see, it's the byproduct of saving grace. The beauty of truly experiencing God's grace is that it always produces change in us. And that change in us is not something that we do, although we do have to cultivate this relationship with God. It's not something we do. You know why? Because that change uh, happens because Christ is in us. God doesn't leave us the way that we were. Philippians 1.6 says he's faithful to complete the work that he started in us. So this morning, if your life hasn't changed since you've received or experienced God's grace or isn't changing, I, I would challenge you to look in the mirror of your own life um, and ask yourselves whether or not you've truly uh, experienced God's grace. I mean, you can know about God's grace, but maybe you've never received and experienced God's grace. In talking about change in your life, what should this grace do in me? You see, grace saves us and it changes us. It is, is not static, but it's active. And I want to give us five quick hit reminders as we get ready to close this morning um, that, that will help us wrap up and uh, really just take to heart what change is and, and how grace alone changes us. The first one is this. Grace alone creates humility. As I said earlier, it helps us to recognize in our life that we are not self-sufficient. When I receive God's grace, I, I have a, a change in the posture of my life. Uh, it, it creates within me a new posture of living, and we live differently for His glory and not for our own. Number two, grace alone offers acceptance. You see, one of the foundational truths that I always bring my heart and my mind back to is that God is gracious so I don't have to prove myself. You see, when I understand that I'm deeply loved and fully forgiven, it helps me to believe in a God who is in control, and it allows me to be at peace that I don't have to work to prove myself to God. I am already accepted and invited into his presence, and I have a place at his table. So two, grace alone offers acceptance. Three, grace alone leads me in obedience. You see, when I recognize the fact that his ways are better than my ways, that I am a sinful human being, um, that I am by nature a child of wrath, um, I, I, I receive his grace, I understand his grace, and it brings about uh, a posture of obedience in my day to day. But the cool thing about this is I'm able to share and talk about the things that God has done in me. And um, it, God kind of takes the pressure off of me because I'm reminded that it's his work alone that saves. And it's his work alone in the hearts of, of people that change uh, the hearts of, of people as well, too. So I just simply need to be obedient to, to step up and speak up. And he leads me in obedience. Number four, grace alone compels me towards compassion. You see, when I see how God has been gracious to me, I reciprocate that grace to others. I learn to be compassionate to others when I, when I recognize the compassion that God has on, on my life. I start to open my eyes to the needs that people have. 
to step in and, and offer love and grace um, to them as well. And again, like I said, as we recognize that we've been deeply loved, I reciprocate that love and compassion to other people. And number five, grace alone propels me to live on mission. You know, there's so many people around us every day that God wants us to, to serve and take care of and to love. And uh, we have opportunities every day to do that. And we say here at the North Canton Chapel that we exist as a church uh, to be the church who makes much of Jesus every day to everyone. So it's really about being empowered to live on mission and recognizing that we have a role to play in God's mission. We recognize that we, we remember that he's given us everything that we need to do everything that he's called us to do. All we need to do is be faithful to step into that. And sometimes that is uh, having a conversation with, with, with a neighbor or, or a friend. And uh, God's calling us to live on mission and to, to point people back to Jesus in all things. So this morning, if you're, if you're depending on yourself, if you are striving to be self-sufficient to earn God's grace and God's favor, uh, my word for you today is this, that you would repent the word repent means to turn uh, and go the opposite direction. That you would repent today and turn to Jesus and accept his free gift of grace that's been poured out to each one of us. Friends, church, uh, my encouragement is that we would press into Jesus and his word and be changed by the power of his word and be reminded in our hearts that it's God's grace alone that saves us and it's God's grace alone that changes us. As we continue to look at this passage, we see who I was, what God did, and who he's made me to be. And hopefully this morning that encourages you and propels you to, to live with this same grace. And it encourages you towards mission. So this morning, as we close, I want to encourage you just to continue to worship. Uh, I'm going to invite Pastor Micah in here in just a second. But we're going to sing again, and Pastor Brandon's going to be in in just a moment and, and wrap things up and close for us. But uh, I'd really love if you would take some time and uh, just work through some of the questions and the resources that we have tagged on the, on the top of this post. And um, go through them by yourself. Go through them with the family and the people that are around you. And, and really just spend some time asking yourself, do I understand grace? Has God's grace changed me? And uh, let me encourage you to spend some time praying also as a family. And how, how you can model this grace to a lost and dying world. You see, this is also a great opportunity for you to pray as a family for our country, uh, for those who have been affected by this coronavirus. Uh, pray that God would heal their families and heal our country and protect us going forward uh, for the continued spread of this virus. Also pray for peace and wisdom for our, our government leaders and our civil leaders, that we would, uh, we would look to them and, and they, they would lead us well. Pray for wisdom and discernment there. Also pray that God would give us opportunities as a family to step into day-to-day uh, -day opportunities to point people to Jesus. So let me close in prayer, but then invite Pastor Micah and, and Brandon back up to, to finish off our morning together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, even for the ability to be online and proclaiming your truth about your grace alone that saves us and changes us. Jesus, we thank you for giving us that free gift, the work that you paid on the cross for our sins. Father, we, we thank you for that. We're grateful for that. 
Father, may we just not just receive that today, but live in that truth. Uh, we would recognize that our true identity is found in you, that we are your workmanship created for good works, that the byproduct of our life would be to just to continue to press into you and to be obedient to that which you've called us to do. Father, today as a church, that you would um, just allow us to be scattered on mission, to love our neighbors, to, to be unified as families uh, in the midst of the, the, the crazy things that are going on in our world. That, Father, you would allow us to not live in fear, but to trust you and walk by faith and to know that you love us and you are in control of all things. Father, we just continue to, to lift up your name and worship you, not only today, but the rest of this week. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.